think we're ready to go. Okay. Okay. Good afternoon and welcome to the January 4th meeting for changes to Chapter 22 of the City Code for the Conservation of Historic, historic Resources. My name is Avery Kerner and I'll be helping to facilitate the Zoom portion of today's hybrid meeting. Today's meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the City's YouTube channel and Cable Channel 25. For those who are joining the meeting via Zoom, please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not actively speaking to help minimize distractions. If you have a comment or question during the meeting, please use the raise your hand feature at the bottom of your screen. Those who are attending the meeting in person, please come to the podium to speak when you have a comment or a question. We also ask that everyone state their name each time they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. And with that, I'll turn the meeting over to the Historic Resources Administrator, Lynn braddock Zollner. Good afternoon, everyone. As Avery mentioned, please feel free to stop me at any time during the presentation and come to the podium and ask questions. If you want to just, oh, sorry. Possible, but I, I have old ears. Can we turn up a little bit? Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> You do have your telecoil capability always in here, is that correct? Kurt, is it? This little statue is on, but I'm not sure if it's working properly. Oh, maybe not working properly. Okay, well, I've got, that's what I use. So, okay, okay. So good afternoon. Um, welcome to our public meeting for the changes to the Conservation of Historic Resources Code. Um, this is a process that we've been undertaking for about the last 10 years, trying to bring the code up to um, more modern um, current conditions and the way we look at historic properties within the city. Um, it'll want this to be interactive, so if you have any questions at any time, um, just feel free to raise your hand or come to the podium and ask us. We really want to hear from you about what you would like to see this chapter um, do for the City of Lawrence, how it relates to historic properties, if you think um, that it's doing enough, if it's not doing um it's doing too much, whatever your thoughts are on the revisions. Um, there is a summary of revisions. Um, I think we may still have a couple available. Um, it's also online um, because this was done in an old format and it's basically a rewrite of the entire chapter. We weren't able to do a strike through document, but their uh, summary will help you um, see what the changes were. And I'll just go over a little bit in the summary, just hitting the highlights. Um, by no means is this um, everything on the summary sheet. I won't be going over things like changing the word publicizing to promotion and things of that nature. So um, it, just the highlights. And then if you see anything that you have questions on or would like to make a comment on, please feel free to stop me and ask those questions. So one of the big things with the chapter 22 rewrite is the existing code in the beginning of the code has all the definitions that would be used in the code. 
We've taken that out of the introductory section and moved it to our terminology section in Article 14, which is a new article specifically for definitions. That hopefully will make it easier for people reading the code. They won't have to try to get through all of those definitions before they actually get into the code and what they need to see. Um, another thing with the code is we hope it's more user friendly and has language that is easily understandable throughout the code. Um, article two, uh, one of the big changes in this article was the membership of the commission to have two architects. By practice, we've always had two architects on the HRC, but thought it was good to go ahead and have that in the code so that that requirement would always be on the commission. It's important to have two architects not only if one of them is absent, but also to have um, more than one set of architect eyes on a project. Um, architects bring different experiences to projects, and hopefully that will allow us to have a broader scope of review when we're reviewing pro projects. Um, the rest of the article, or the majority of the article, deals with the um, composition of the commission and the terms and term limits, vacancies, and duties of the commission. Uh, some of the things and the duties of commission that were changed were um, um, that a project must go to the HRC before it goes to the BZA or the Planning Commission. Um, we felt this was an important change because now projects get to the Board of Zoning Appeals or the Planning Commission, and they want to know what the HRC said about the design aspects of the project. So if, um, and there's usually there's a delay because it gets sent back to the Historic Resources Commission. So by having this in there, um, application can be submitted concurrently, but the HRC would take action before it went to the BZA or the Planning Commission. Um, this also removed um, a recognition program for the Historic Resources Commission to do. Right now, the chapter calls for a program for the Historic Resources Commission to recognize people in the public who've had good projects throughout the year. Um, the commission thought that this is probably something that's best done by a local nonprofit. The Lawrence Preservation Alliance, for example, does this on a yearly basis. And so it was not really thought that the commission as a public commission should be doing those honorary um, commendations. Um, another big change would be that it added a new authority for the Historic Resources Commission to make a list of um, projects for certificate of approval that the Historic Resources Administrator can approve um, at an administrative level. So simple projects that would normally have to go to the commission. The commission can set up a list of projects that can be reviewed administratively, and those projects wouldn't have to go to the full public hearing that's only once a month. Any questions so far? Yeah. Any on Zoom? It, 
This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. Does anyone uh, attending the meeting via Zoom have any comments or questions at this time? Yep. So Article 3 is about surveys, and a little bit of this language was changed just to be more comprehensive and identify um, the things that we look for in surveys and what the Historic Resources Commission's role in that. Some of this language was changed to be um, more consistent with the State Historic Preservation Office and how they look at surveys. Article four um, is for the Land Lawrence Register of Historic Places. Changes in this um, article, one of the um, would be for historic districts. Right now in the chapter, we have key contributing, contributing, and non-contributing properties in historic district. That used to be the way that the National Register of Historic Places designated properties in historic districts. They no longer use that key contributing component. So this would remove that from the historic district identification for structures, and it would just be either a contributing structure or a non-contributing structure. Another big plus for this chapter would be um, currently chapter 22 lists out all the properties that are listed in the Lawrence Register of Historic Places individually. This chapter would allow for that to be done by incorporation by reference, which means we wouldn't have to go in and change the code every time a new property is listed. For district nominations, right now there is um, a percentage for the number of properties um, owner consent for to be designated or go through the landmark process for historic districts. This would just change to be a flat 51% of the property owners within a designated historic district area. It also added a pre-submittal requirement before you submit a nomination to the Lawrence Register of Historic Places, you would need to meet um, with planning staff at least seven days prior to that nomination um, application. And the reason for this is that that pre-submittal meeting staff can go over with the applicant the things that need to be submitted with the application. That way, once they submit the application, um, there's not a hold up in getting that application before the Historic Resources Commission for lack of information that's needed. Currently in the chapter 22, the only thing you need for designation is a property ownership list and a legal description. That's being changed to include application material that includes the history of the property, the architectural description of the property, and photographs of the property. Um, there's also some change in this article um, to be clearer on process. And the designation for criteria for um, properties um, has been changed. I believe there were nine previously, and that's been changed down to the National Register of Historic Places criteria. Um, it also adds language that 
governing body can remand the nomination back to the HRC for additional information. It added the legal process for public hearing before the governing body and added a 14-day requirement for protest petitions. Um, there's a part in the code that the Historic Resources Commission can classify something as highly significant if the owner objects to the nomination. This um, was changed a little bit to remove the 50-year criteria for highly significant. There are properties that were constructed within the last 50 years that because of their nature are highly significant, even though they're not 50 years old. Um, it added the um, amendment or recession of nomination must be by two-thirds vote of the HRC and by a supermajority of the governing body. Article 5 changes certificate of appropriateness to certificate of approval. Um, one of the major changes in this area is that environs review is re, um, removed from the code and it's um, replaced with context area review. This is still a review within 250 feet of a property on the Lawrence Register, but it's only for projects that are visible from the public right-of-way. All projects within the context area would be an administrative review. Um, this also has a seven-day pre-submittal meeting, but it also allows that application can be submitted by the appropriate city department to the Historic Resources Commission. And that's, for example, if someone applies for a building permit, they wouldn't have to do a whole new application. That building permit can be forwarded to the Historic Resources Commission for review. Uh, another big change is conditional approval by the HRC. Currently, um, you go before the HRC and they can approve or deny your project. If there are things that would make your project meet the standards to be able to be approved, the applicant has to go back and make those changes and then come back to the Historic Resources Commission for review. And that can cause time and delay in a project going forward. So the purpose here is to allow the Historic Resources Commission to approve things with conditions. If those conditions are met, then the Historic Resources Administrator can go ahead and approve that project so that applicants don't have to go back to the Historic Resources Commission. Um, I believe I mentioned that all context reviews will be completed by the Historic Resources Administrator. Um, similar to the conditional approval, um, the denial of a certificate of approval, um, if the applicant meets the conditions recommended by the HRC, um, the HRA can administratively approve the project. So even though they may deny a project. They may give the owner specific reasons for that denial, that if the applicant completes those changes, they would be able to approve the project. So this allows if the applicant goes back and makes those changes, that it could be an administrative approval by the Historic Resources Administrators. Um, 
This section also changes the standards for review by removing the sliding scale of review, and it changed the standards for review for properties listed in Lawrence Register to the Secretary of the Interior Standards. It also sets out um, design standards and criteria and separates them out for listed properties and properties in the context area. Um, it clarifies that all alterations are exterior alterations um, and not interior alterations. Um, as I mentioned, it changed the design criteria to include separate guidelines for listed historic districts and context areas. The review of signage guidelines was added to the context areas. Um, Article 6 for the Certificate of Economic Hardship. The main changes in this were um, it added a minimum of five years experience for the report of the structural soundness and demolition feasibility. It removed the requirement to itemize operating and maintenance expenses and depreciation deduction and annual cash flow language. It removed remaining balance on any mortgage for previous two years language. It added a statement from the State Historic Preservation Office that the subject property was not eligible for historic preservation financial incentive programs. And it added that the application can be reviewed at a regular scheduled meeting or one called for that purpose for review. Does anybody have any questions or comments? Yes, can you come to the mic? Oh. Yes, come up to the mic. Uh, Stan Hernley, Hernley Associates. Um, so, Lynn, did, were you saying that the context review is exterior only, not interior? Correct. Exterior okay. only and only projects visible from the public right-of-way. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Thank you. And it's probably important, I probably should have mentioned this at the onset, there are different types of historic review in Lawrence. And what we're speaking of today is chapter 22, which is only for properties that are locally listed. It doesn't include properties that are on the national register or the state register. So it's just for those locally listed properties. Did you have a question? Yeah. Hi, Beth Brands. My, my apologies. I haven't read the whole thing and the answer is probably in there. Um, <clears throat> regarding design criteria and the differences for context area versus historic district in the full code, are the design criteria outlined or is there a place where those can be found? Are the direct design criteria specified? Yes, they're specifically um, specified and like there's one for height and then it says height within the historic district shall be X, height within the context area shall be X. So it separates them out, but it does, it'll give a little graphic and then the definition of what the height um, guideline would be. Okay, so that that's a pretty general example. I guess I was thinking more specifically like architectural detail 
architectural design. So, I mean, you can do a lot within a height limit. I guess right. that was more my question is. And it is more general. It's not okay. specific like the actual design guidelines like we have for the downtown urban conservation overlay district. It's not that specific. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Article 7 is just clarification of public hearings, and it added burden of proof language and the conduct of hearings and general rules. Article 8 is the property owned by public agencies. And this is something that we've done in process for um, several years now that our municipal services and operations department and our parks and recs department um, works with staff anytime they have a project for review to see of its impact on historic resources. This codifies that and also puts it, um, the context review area in there, not just for listed properties. As I mentioned, um, our city departments are really good about doing this anyway, but that just puts this in, in the chapter. And it also adds review of vacation of streets or alleys. Article 9 is the Historic Resources Administrator that I've been referring to throughout this. Um, changes for this would be changing the experience requirement from two to five years. And allowing the historic resources administrator to um, approve certain applications for certificate of approval as delegated by the HRC. catching up myself, sorry. So there weren't really any changes to Article 10 other than um, it added adaptive reuse projects and language in the preservation easements to include that the city could acquire um, easements for national and state register properties. Um, Article 11 in the existing Chapter 22 um, was fees that with the proposal of this article, the fees in the um, chapter were $10 for a national register nomination and $50 for a historic district nomination. There was no fee for design review applications, or I should say certificate of approval applications. This would recommend that all those fees, um, that no fee be continued for certificate of approval and that the fee for landmark designation for individual properties and for historic districts um, be taken away. Instead of the fees article, um, this article becomes emergency procedures. This would allow for the historic resources administrator to approve demolition for a structure that is creating a public safety, health or welfare issue. We had a situation in the past where a sinkhole developed under an accessory structure 
that was in the environs of a listed property, there was no way to get that demolition approved before the next HRC meeting. And so we realized that we do need some type of emergency procedure if that should happen again um, so that we wouldn't have to try to wait on the next Historic Resources Commission meeting if there's an issue of public safety and welfare. Um, Article 12 is a minimum maintenance criteria. Um, this has changed quite a bit and added um, a list of things that were required to be maintained and what would be um, defects that would be considered defects. Um, it also sets up the Historic Resources Commission as a review for those properties that have not fulfilled that minimum maintenance requirement. And so there's quite a bit of information on this section that is new. Um, then Article 13 is municipal offenses and civil actions. And this language just changed a little bit from criminal action to municipal offense. And then as I mentioned, Article 14 is now definitions. With that, I'd be happy to take any comments or questions. If you have things that you think this new document doesn't cover and should, things maybe it proposes that shouldn't be proposed, um, any comments that you have, or any questions that you have would be greatly appreciated. We're really trying to get some public input on this as far as what it does or doesn't do. Yes, when you come to the podium. Hi, uh, my name is Malcolm Wadwick, and I'm a resident of Lawrence, have been on and off since 1980. And um, we have worked together in the past, gosh, 20 years ago. So I'm new back in town. And I would just like to make a casual comment that I agree with the revision that is in keeping with the National Register and the State Register, eliminating the 500 feet environs. And I like the idea of the context areas and the way that the language is uh, uh, worded. Uh, so the bottom line is the changes that I'm seeing here are, are welcome. So thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Is there an opportunity to submit written comments online? I'd, I'd rather not make uneducated comments before I read the whole thing. No, you can send comments to me directly. My email address is online and um, I can get that to you as well. Okay, thank you. Uh -huh.
Does anyone on Zoom have any comments or questions? I forgot to write my name down the first time. So Stan Hernley, Hernley Associates. Um, so one of the things about historic resources reviews is that it, it really provides an opportunity for the public to have input on projects. Um, the context area review, I think it would be a real mistake to uh, have that only as administrative review. Um, you know, I've, I've been involved with a lot of historic resources uh, discussions. Um, and through those public discussions, the public dialogue that takes place in this room, there's a lot of information that comes out. Um, you know, sometimes it gets contentious, but the dialogue gives the public an opportunity to really feel like they're involved in the process. Um, it, sometimes when the meetings go along, uh, comments can get repetitive, but I think it's really important for everyone to be able to to have a, a public stance in review processes. And <clears throat> along with having the public comment and public input on context review, um, I think turning that into an administrative review puts an unfair burden on staff. Um, you know, um, and and it potentially creates undue unnecessary conflict between staff. Um, you know, uh, having been on HRC, HRC doesn't always agree with staff opinions, um, and that's you know the purpose of the HRC is to discuss and to consider and to to really work through the issues, and that happens in a public forum um, when a review process is handled at a staff level, I'm sure that there's some discussion that takes place, um, you know, possibly between the public and the staff, but not everyone in the public is uh, able to take part in that dialogue. And there is a discussion that takes place between staff and there's potential, I mean, we all like you, Lynn, but um, we don't know uh, in the future who's going to be in leadership positions uh, at, in the staff at the city. And to leave the, the context review at a staff level, I think, uh, creates a veil of secrecy about uh, how that process takes place, who is officially making those decisions. I mean, it would technically be 
um, the historic resources administrator, um, but the historic resources administrator reports to uh, supervisors and there's potential for um, pressure to be involved in situations like that. And I think in the long run for uh, preservation purposes, it's important to keep the public involved in the conversation. So I would really support uh, the context statement remaining or the context review remaining a, a public uh, forum item and that the Historic Resources Commission continue to discuss those and really weigh in on uh, the, the topics that are related to that. Um, I know that HRC gets beat up sometimes about uh, projects that don't get approved. But if you look at the discussions that have come out of those meetings, it, it really does inform future projects moving forward. Um, in particular, the, the, um, the project at 11th and Massachusetts was, there was a lot of discussion about that project. And eventually something will come forward again on that site. And uh, a developer that comes forward with a new proposal will have the advantage of seeing what the concerns were the last time that site came through as a proposed project. And there's a pretty good record about, about what the HRC discussed, what was important, what the public discussed, what topics they brought up. So, you know, a big piece of that was a, a context review. It had some other downtown uh, guideline reviews, um, but even on smaller projects, the context review can be uh, an important piece of the puzzle. So I think keep that public. Thank you. Anybody else? Uh, this is Avery Kerner, planning staff, Steve um, Skinnell. It looks like you might have a comment if you want to go ahead. and. Uh, yeah, thank you. So, uh, Lynn, I have a question for you. Um, under the conduct of public hearings, I see that uh, HRC may impose a reasonable time limit on comments by the public. Um, what What's your current policy on that? Is it three minutes like the city commission or something else? Currently, there is no policy on that. Um, we have had a practice where the chair or the commission can impose those limits, but they have not done that in the past. And this would give them the ability to impose those limits. They would be able to decide whether or not it was three minutes or five minutes or what that um, time frame would be based on the meeting. Okay. The, the reason I wanted to speak to that, uh, that sounds good. Um, I've been involved for the last couple of years with the Planning Commission and the City Commission following the Stratford Water Tower project. And uh, as an architect who's tried to serve in a public advocate role for the neighborhood, uh, it's been really frustrating dealing with um, three minute time limits, especially when you're dealing with a lot of technical details. And so um, I was going to suggest no less than five, even that's going to be a little tight. but it, 
if if you're saying that you don't have time limits and that do you actually have more of a give and take during your discussions? Currently, it's more of a give and take um, operation. To my knowledge, they've never limited the time that a person can speak. Um, they've asked applicants or um, the public to, you know, wrap it up if they could so that everybody has the opportunity to participate. Um, but this would give them the ability to set those limits um, for projects if they deem necessary. Sure. And like Stan was saying, I could see some would be contentious where you'd actually really need to do that to kind of keep people on point and not have the meeting last till two o'clock in the morning. So, okay, that's all I had for now. Thank you. Last call, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, last call for any comments or questions from those uh, participating via Zoom. Oh, uh, Monica, if you want to go ahead and unmute. Yes. Um, one question I had was regarding the uh, removal of the 50 year uh, age criteria. Is there going to be efforts to resurvey any of the previous surveys that were done to include 50 year properties? The, um, the requirement that goes away for the 50 year mark is only for um, properties that are being considered as highly significant and those properties would be over the owner objection to being listed. We do have surveys taking place in the city. We use, typically get certified local government grants to do surveys through the city. Those surveys um, do identify properties that are less than 50 years old if they are significant um, for cultural or architectural merit. So some of that um, takes place when we do surveys and that is being done now as we do new surveys. Steve, if you want to unmute, you can go ahead and. I just wanted to add one other comment. I just realized that uh, I forgot to say that uh, uh, my compliments. I think these are all good changes, and uh, uh, I support them. So just just so you get some positive feedback. Okay, I'll do uh, another call, uh, last call for comments, questions from those attending via Zoom. And any comments, questions from those attending, attending in person? <laughs> um, we're taking public comment for this. Um, anytime you want to comment, you can send me an email or give me a call on the phone if that's easier for you. The um, 
my email address is on the website and um, I can also give it to you if you're here today, um, if you need that, if you want to comment um, via email or if you want to give me a call, we can take public comment that way as well. Yes. How long will the comment period be open? Um, right now, the Historic Resources Commission has had one study session. They've taken public comment at one meeting. They will have um, the ability to take public comment this month at their January meeting and direct staff. Um, they would be looking at all the public comment we've received to that point. And then hopefully they would be able to direct staff, but they will take public comment at that meeting on January 19th. I believe it's the 19th. And it's All right, we'll look forward to your comments if you have any, and thank you so much for coming today. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm.